Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land, the House of Sin and Studios Stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Mummy, what's that? Mum, why is she in a wheelbarrow? Uh, are you real? Use and disability. What's that? Now arriving at Sin Radio. This service has now departed. Oh, hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Is it you? Hell no. Is it disability? Raise the platform. Ready, willing, and able. Raise the platform. Raise the platform. Raise the platform. Raise the platform. Don't forget the ramp. Welcome to the special election broadcast of Race the Platform. And today we're going to talk about elections and why elections are important. So elections are very important because that's where the people decide who is basically in charge of us and who are our representatives. So elections, particularly in Australia, are very important. Now, in Australia, there's one important thing. So what happens is that you elect your member and if enough of these members um, hold the balance of power, that is who runs the lower house. And if they hold the balance of power, the leader of that party becomes the Premier of Victoria. So you are all sitting in an electorate. You all live in an electorate and that's your electorate that you vote in, the electorate that you reside or live in. So, when it comes to election day when we all vote, which is going to be today and is almost finished now, um, you will then cast in preferences your vote. And the one that um, you put... Um, the, the preference system is a bit complicated and I'll talk about it in a couple of minutes. And the one that um, you put, to, can be first, can be second, depending on your preferences, will be your local minister so it'll be the minister of your electorate and if enough of those elect ministers hold the balance of power and we get more than half or if they make a deal with a smaller party which is called a hung parliament where where the the party has a minority but able to make allowances with other members of similar leaning parties that is who will become the premier so currently, that is held by the Labor Party. They have the balance of power. And their leader is our Premier, Daniel Andrews. So the Labor Party has enough seats in local electorates um, to hold the balance of power. He's not a hung parliament. He has a majority in the state lower house. This system is pretty much identical to the federal leadership. However... We do call the upper house and the lower house different names. So there are 88 seats in the Victorian Legislative Assembly, which is our lower house, our equivalent of the federal where Anthony Albanese sits. And we have the Victorian Legislative Council, which is our equivalent to the Senate. And in this election, you'll be voting for both. 
It is two separate ballots. The state ballot is the small ballot where you simply vote in terms of your preferences of who you want to run the state. And with the Victorian Legislative Council, it is a much larger ballot. You can either vote below or above the line. You absolutely don't have to pick the same party in each, but it would make a lot of sense for you to at least pick similar political arrangements in each. Otherwise, it will be very hard for the Premier to actually pass legislation. So they sort of have to have the same political view or the same party. And now for the concept of preferential voting. Now, you'll see whenever you go to an election polling booth, people will be handing out how to vote cards, and they say how you would vote for a particular candidate. You do not, you absolutely do not have to follow this at all. And some of them can be a little bit um, tricky. But what you want to do is you want to vote for, you put the candidate you want to win most first. If that candidate does not have more than, I believe, 50% of the vote, your preference will then go to the candidate you go to second. And this will go on until one of the candidates you picked gets that amount of votes. And that's the candidate that your vote will go towards. So if you put smaller parties first and then a larger party second, that's, that's who's going to get it. It actually does make a lot of sense because it basically means that people who vote for smaller parties do still get a say in the election. Because, But there are cases where smaller parties actually do and independents absolutely do win. We had the Teal independents in the federal election who won multiple seats. They all... They all got, they had a huge margin of votes. But there are also cases where people put a lot of energy into smaller candidates and their second preference is the one that their vote goes towards. So you absolutely cannot waste your vote in Victoria. If you have a minor party that you are really, really going for and you put them first and you put a major party or a party who in your seat is likely to win and is not one of the two major parties, you absolutely have cannot waste your vote. And since minor parties and independents are getting more votes these days, you absolutely cannot waste your vote at all. There we have two major parties in Victoria, the Labor Party and the Liberal Party. We also have one not major party, but they do often win a lot of seats, the Greens. And in some seats, it is a challenge between you know either the Labor or the Greens or the Liberal and the Greens. We also have a lot of areas in Victoria where independent candidates are very popular and there's often a is often a race between a major party and this independent candidate or smaller parties as well who often can get into the Senate at or the House representatives. In the Senate these minor parties have a much higher chance of getting in and there's always in the Senate people from minor parties independents that fill up a lot of the seats. So now we're going to talk about what do the current political parties offer disabled voters and what policies they have that are specific to disability. Now none of the major parties and only a couple of the minor parties actually had a section titled disabilities or laid down a specific policy of length disability in any way. 
which is easy to understand for disabled people. Disabled people do care a lot about issues such as public transport, education and health. Health is a big issue in this election regardless due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the recent lockdowns. And many of these policies specifically relate to disability issues as a whole due to the pandemic. There are multiple forms of parties in this election, including the two major parties, the Labor and Liberal. Um, the Greens, who are not a major party, but are becoming very, who have become very large. Um, smaller parties, um, sort of disorganised groupings such as the Teal Independents and Independents. The Teals are making a comeback, but they're not as large in the state election. And this is probably going to be one of the most interesting elections in recent years. And, you know, voting is always important and you should absolutely do your research, read up on what the candidates offer and read up exactly just what you want and really put down what your views are and find a party or a candidate that fits that. Remember that since you are not, you're not just voting for a person, you're voting for a party and you're voting for your local member. So take that into account as well. Now, the first of the major parties is the Liberal Party. They are called the Coalition because they are a combination of the Liberals who are from urban areas and the Nationals who are from rural and country areas. They are going to... They plan on cutting the current Labor government's rail projects um, and put that money into um, funding a healthcare system and they want to train 440,000 nurses and midwives and they want to put a lot of money into hospitals and they want free public transport for nurses and midwives and they want a dental voucher system to give people cheaper dental and they want to have a lot of mental health um, funding and they have a lot of innovative projects for mental health and they want mental health practitioners in every school and they want um, plans for better reading in school and their mental health policies include having um, mental health for police, more than 200,000 additional psychiatry, which is something that they've done that is actually quite controversial as a lot of disability advocates are prefer um, don't prefer psychiatry but prefer more psychology, more psychology. And this is something that the Liberal Party is planning and has actually become quite controversial in a lot of communities. And they, this is a lot of their um, views are for psychiatry and not psychology, which I personally find to be quite confusing. But in schools, what they want is that they want um, 2,000 registered counsellors and mental health in every school, not just public schools, every school in Victoria. They also want to simplify the curriculum, which some people project will make it more accessible to disabled people. They also want to fund the Stroke Foundation, fund Joy FM, and increase the amount of public transport. They also plan to make vaccines compulsory in all disability settings. Liberal are considered to be the more conservative option in elections. The Liberal Party have historically had much of their um, support from small businesses, big businesses and more established conservative generations. And the second major party we have in Victoria are the Labor Party. They are left of centre. They have their origins in the union movement. They are a very diverse party. They have a lot of factions within both the state and the federal branch. Their um, state branch is considered to be much more left-wing than their federal branch. 
Their federal branch is currently in power with Anthony Albanese as their leader and our Prime Minister. And they're currently in power in the state as well. They um, And their leader is currently the current Premier, Daniel Andrews. Um, the Labor Party on their website do not have a specific tab for any sort of policy and I found their website to be quite hard to extrapolate what their policies were but since they are currently in power Daniel Andrews has a website where he's put what he's currently doing but doesn't really have much of an area towards what he plans to do if he were to be re-elected though the Labor Party have a very strong history with disability and disability support it was the federal Labor Party under Julie Gillard back in 2014 who enacted the National Disability Insurance Scheme they have May, been making improvements in in making disability and disability advocacy more accessible for people. Their website, their state website, has a tab on it for accessibility, and they also have an email address which you can send accessibility advice and tips to them, which I found to be a rather interesting choice. It is becoming more popular these days. Um, Labor Party do have a lot of promises promises in the um, health sector. They want to build more hospitals. They want to improve hospitals and make them more modernised to increase the amount of services that they can offer. Um, they want to make nursing and midwifery degrees completely free. And they also want to improve dentistry and optometry to make it cheaper. And it's not currently on our Medicare. They have been enacting a Royal Commission into Mental Health, which they plan on enacting the recommendations from in the future. They also have a strong history of funding disability-specific educational institutions and schools. They also legalised sex work recently. Whilst I don't have policies on the website that are in a way, um, there is a faction of Labor called the Labor Enabled Victoria. This is an initiative by the Labor Party where they have created um, where they do seem to put out what they have been doing but all this has become when they were actually when they have been in power in Victoria so they have been supporting a lot of local disabled initiatives and institutions and they have created and funded uh, opportunities for disabled people in sport in recreation and in the arts and there is really no reason why they're not whether if they were to be re-elected why they would stop that and they just and they seem to be creating more recommendations. And whilst Labor does not have a specific policy on disability, they have been enacting a lot of legislation to make Victoria more accessible, and they've been funding a lot of schools and educational institutions that offer disability-specific education. Much of their campaign material also talks about how the Liberals, if they were to be in power, would make massive cuts to disability funding in Victoria. So those are our two major parties and what they offer. It is going to be typically a war between either Labor or Liberal. And with Labor projected from the current opinion polls to win the state election. However, one thing we are seeing a lot of in both state and federal level is that a number of the seats are not held by Labor or Liberal. They are held by independents or the Greens or minor parties. So... This is where things can get very, very interesting. And the third largest party in Victoria who is projected to win a number of seats are the Greens. And they are they have historically been the most left-wing option, though more left-wing options have appeared in recent years. They started out as a with focus on environmental issues, though their platform has now expanded to just 
hold left-wing opinions on almost every single issue in Parliament. They had a whole section of, on disability on the website, and it is a lot of it is just you know statements of motivation. Where, but they do have a huge list of policies related to disability and disabled people. The website is pretty accessible, though I did find it a little bit difficult to navigate. And it's probably the most in-depth of all the parties in terms of size. And they also had an area focused on child protection, which is an important era in disability, which is an issue that disabled people often would be focused on. And they also had an enormous section on forgotten Australians, which is also related to disability, as many forgotten Australians do fall into the category of disabled. So this is on their website, the Greens Victoria website, and it is titled Disability Policy. And they open with saying, all people have a right to independence of determination and choice in their lives. Disability policy and law is therefore a matter of human rights and well as individual health and well-being. And that people who experience physical, intellectual, cognitive and under psychiatric disability and their families and carers have a right to active participate in all levels of policy, service planning and delivery and evaluation, including their own. And that is their responsibility as a government to enact policies that improve the well-being of disabled people. And that there should be adequate, ongoing, fully indexed funding for high-quality, lifetime care for people with disability, which is efficient to meet their needs regardless of how and where the person who acquired the disability or was born with it live. And that they should provide support without prejudice towards how disability was inquired and that society should be free of harassment, abuse, vilification, stigmatisation and discrimination, disadvantage or exploitation on the basis of disability and that people are more disadvantaged by non-optional disability related costs including equipment, transport and personal assistance and that should be appropriate access for people with the appropriate facilities to support in order to undertake their chosen community activities regardless of ability and to research disability advocacy and to access free legal advice and for there to be community education programs to provide public awareness for human diversity and to prevent discrimination and abuse for people who are experiencing a disability. And there should be a guaranteed adequate income for people with disability and their carers and sufficient funding for safe, high quality, appropriate care for people with very high complex care needs. And they also want specific policies for people who are First Nations or Indigenous. And there should be sufficient respite care for all people with disabilities and there should be pathways to support school leavers to make the transition from school to employment and university easier. And that should be improved paying conditions, support and career structures for workers living with disabilities. And there should be strengthened laws to prohibit discrimination or vilification on the basis of disability. And the Victorian government should be fully supporting inclusive and non-discriminatory standards in line with national disability standards. They also want better transparency in care providers to make sure that they are not corrupt or doing anything to support their own needs and to focus purely on the disabled people themselves. So, and they also want to move towards all of these care becoming a not-for-profit organisation and to um, nationalise them and make them better regulated. They also want to address abuse, neglect and violence towards people with disability. And they also want to ensure that all this care is culturally and age-appropriate as well as language-specific. And they also want 
people of all backgrounds, in particular ensuring that First Nations people with disability have access to services to meet their needs. And they also want community care and community organisations to be better funded. So those are the policies which are provided by um, the third largest party in Victoria, the Greens who have had a massive increase during the federal election and are very likely to have a massive increase in this upcoming state election. There's been a fourth party who were founded in 2018 and they're experiencing one of the most rapid growths of any parties. These are the Victorian Socialists. On the website they're described as Democratic Socialist, though the origin is in the Trotskyist University movement of the Socialist Alternative. You've probably seen these guys at your university campus and... Socialist Alternative as an organisation have do have a number of controversies relating to disability, which have made them to be very controversial in disability communities, with many disabled people completely shunning them. Though the Victorian Socialists as a party appear to have the most in-depth policies for disabled people. Their aim is to provide is to basically put people above profit and they want to and they want to provide the highest quality care for people with disabilities in Victoria. The Victorian Socialists have a large following in typically working class areas on the west side of Victoria and on the north side of Victoria. They are projected to win at least one seat in either the upper or the lower house, though they are currently only ever held one position in a council. On their website, where they have a section titled Disability on their policy platform on the website and they open with saying disabled people encounter economic political and social barriers in every aspect of their lives their oppression is a result of a system that treats people primarily as exploitable labor to increase the wealth of capitalists there is no reason outside of the dictates of such a system the illness impairment should prevent participation in society. In Victoria, there are more than 1 million disabled people. Almost 90% of disabled people in Victoria are eligible for the NDIS and now experience more barriers to accessing basic support. Disabled people have higher basic life expenses and often live below the poverty line. Much of their policy is focused on dismantling capitalism and enacting a democratic socialist government. The Victorian socialists have a category titled What We Think and they open by saying disabled people are oppressed by a system that is run in the interest of profit and they want to eliminate basically the profit-based system of capitalism and they believe that by doing this they will increase the barriers that are experienced by disabled people and they believe that services for disabled people should be run for the sole purpose of providing higher quality care or assistance and access to disability services should not be determined by age, language, income, location or culture or nature of the disability and the privatisation of healthcare and disability services is antithetical to high quality accessible care and that disabled people who want to work will be able to without discrimination and they have a right to access education at all levels. And disabled people and, and Victorian socialists want to fight for to immediately nationalise all private disability services and refund all state-funded disability services that will wound up after the induction of the NDIS. They are not against the NDIS overall, but they believe that it is a for-profit system and then it needs to be abolished, the for-profit nature of it needs to be completely abolished. And they want to make sure that all public transport is fully accessible and that there should be additional funding for disability services for people with complex needs. 
they wanted to also guarantee the agency and independence of disabled people by protecting the resumption of decision-making and capacity and support decision-making framework. And they wanted to eliminate all restrictive practices in different settings, education, support, healthcare and accommodation. And they want to fund self-advocacy organisations and they also want to protect the, the sexual and reproductive rights of disabled people. And they want to increase funding for specialist-focused school-based support staff resources and support to ensure that children can learn in an educational setting best suited to the individual needs. And they also want to increase the wage and of teachers and other school staff. And they want to ensure that they have specialist training for disabled students. They also want to increase pay equality and they also want to reduce pay equity by abolishing employment exemptions that allowed employers to pay lower wages to disabled workers. This is something that hasn't really been spoken about and though the Greens did allude to this, it's not something that is particularly well known that, that disabled people can legally be paid less than non-disabled people. They also want to in implement a fast-track disability modifications construction program to complete all outstanding disability modification requests for people living in public and community housing. And they also want to increase funding for free specialist disability legal support, which is the same as what the Greens had. And they also want to make sure that all public housing is built to be accessible. And they also want to ensure a range of housing options and support models that are available to ensure that disabled people can live alone with others in their community. I'm going to say that this is probably the most in-depth of any of the parties that I could find, but unfortunately, due to the controversy that this group has in the disabled in the disability community, it is unlikely that many disabled people are really going to vote for them. Are really, and that this is also the probably the fastest growing party. But now we're going to talk about accessibility of elections. Um, it's a bit late now, but you can vote early in elections. Typically, this is reserved for people who um, unfortunately cannot make it on the election day, which is a Saturday, so they let you vote early in various polling booths. However, this election is actually being encouraged for you to vote early. However, even though early voting has existed for quite a number of weeks now, they're not going to tell us who is winning until election day, the evening of election day, when they begin counting the voting and closing of the polling booths. There are, however, multiple accessible options for voting. They try to make voting as inclusive as it can be, though there are always issues. And the VEC actually has an email address which you can email if you have any concerns about accessibility. There is the option of phone voting, voting via text, um, absentee voting where they mail you the ballot papers and you fill them out and you mail them back. This is also done for people who are living overseas or people who are living in remote areas, people who are homeless or people who have no fixed address. We we'll all have to, typically we we'll use these alternative methods of voting instead of going to a polling booth. So when you register to vote, you register in a specific electorate. And then when you have that electorate, when you go to the polling booth, you say your name and your address and they tick it off on the polling booth. And then you go and vote. Legally, you'll get there's compulsory voting. If you do not show up to the polling booth and have your name ticked off, you will get a fine. The Victoria Electoral Commission on their website has a page titled, Do you know anyone with a disability who would like help to vote? And they have prepared a resource for people who are disabled and need help to vote. 
and they actually have free vote education sessions run by by their education and inclusion team. These sessions can be tailored to suit the learning styles of each audience and they can be in person and they can be on Zoom or on Teams. They have multiple accessibility considerations that the VEC does follow and these are those accessibility in reading level and text-to-speech. So if you need text-to-speech, they have options there and they're options for people who um, who require simple or different sorts of reading styles. However, this doesn't cover the fact that the parties in their how-to-vote information are often quite hard to understand and there are often not that much accessible options for that. There are also options for voting via Braille and for people who are hard of hearing. So if you require ballot papers in in Braille, this can be arranged. And you can also have options for people who are hard of hearing who need assistance um, in that regard. And there are also information for people with speech impediments, though many of the people at polling booths do not have adequate training to help people with speech impediment and people who are profoundly deaf. They're often not trained in or don't have the adequate training in sign language, which can also be another concern. Another interesting thing is that if you need help voting in prison, there are options available. If your sentence is under five years at a state level and under three years at a federal election, you are allowed to vote. You cannot vote late. If you miss out on voting, you cannot vote late. They will not take votes after the polling booths close. And if you do not vote, you do receive a fine. Um, the fine actually increases each time you do not vote. So you you definitely have to vote in, ele- in an election. However, if something happens to you on the day of the election and you haven't voted early, or you become sick, or you cannot get to a polling booth for some reason, you can write to them and they will they will waive the fine for you. Um, and if you so, if you have something happen to you on the day and you genuinely cannot vote, they will waive the fine for you. Voting can be very difficult for disabled people, particularly going to a polling booth. You are bombarded with how-to-vote cards and other such pamphlets. These can be very intimidating. They also can be very inaccessible for mobility aids. And I had to vote at my old primary school for the federal election. That was pretty awkward. But this election, I'm voting at a much nicer place that I much prefer. And if you need help voting, there are some tips. You should take somebody with you if you need additional support. You can bring your phone, headphones, or a book to keep you company. I recommend that you bring water or something to eat as well. There are also often bake sales and there's infamous democracy sausage sizzle. There's a website on the VEC titled I Can Vote, which provides additional information for disabled people in simple English and with speech-to-text. And also... Well, it's a bit late now, but to look into alternative voting options such as voting via text or voting via phone or voting um, in absentee. Sin, where young people run the show. So I'm now we're going to talk about something a bit triggering, which is disability discrimination, so there's a content warning there. Um, this is from an article by the ABC. It actually was written for the federal election, but this is happening at the state level as well. It was written by National Disability Affairs reporter Elizabeth Wright and the special reporting team's Selena Edmonds. And this title, An Archaic Law Has Been Removing Australians with a Disability from Electoral Role in Droves, advocates say. It talks about um, a Melbourne woman, Cher McDonnell, who is 36 years old and is excited to be working in her first federal election. 
and she was removed from the electoral roll by her parents in 2012 as they were concerned that she didn't understand the voting process and were worried that this could influence her vote. But no one realised how hard it would be for Miss McDonough to be put back on the electoral roll when she wanted to. And it was during Australia's same-sex marriage referendum in 2017 that Miss McDonough decided she wanted to have her say and was put back on the electoral roll. However, it was incredibly difficult for her to be put back on the roll. Um, and with her parents' support, she went on the electoral roll website to re-register, but received a letter from the Australian Electoral Commission saying that she has been rejected. And they quoted a section in the Victoria Electoral Act enacted in 1918 that said she's been removed from the role for being of unsound mind and being incapable of understanding the nature and significance of enrolment voting. And of course this was incredibly distressing. She um, penned a response to the AEC which helped kickstart the process of getting her back on the electoral roll. But the re-enrollment process took three months and she actually missed out on voting in the same-sex marriage referendum. And it took her until, I believe... 2022 to be put back on the electoral roll, which was five years. Um, it's very concerning that a law from 1918 is still being used and using terms like unsound mind are incredibly discriminatory. Whilst and there really is no argument for disabled people not to be able to vote, even those who have very profound disabilities, as they are often heavily affected by laws and lawmaking, and they need to have their say in state elections and federal elections. The AEC regularly receives feedback saying that the term unsound mind is just not appropriate. The fact that these re-enrollment procedures take so long and that people miss out on voting in numerous elections is incredibly harmful. And... Um, down Syndrome Australia has talked about how the UNCRPD, which is the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, has argued that all disabled people have the right to vote. In Australia, people with intellectual disability have the right to vote, and you have to put your name on the electoral roll when you turn 18. You have to vote in elections when you're on that electoral roll, and I believe you legally have to be on the electoral roll regardless. And I think it is also very concerning that you can be taken off the electoral because somebody can just say that you are that you cannot vote in an election. So anyone, so that is quite scary that somebody could literally just say that I cannot vote in an election because, and then I have to fight to get my name put back on the electoral. I think that if you know somebody is disabled and simply is unable to vote and just cannot vote, they should still be on the electoral, and they still every um everything should be made for them to be able to vote. And that is very important. Every single accessibility need can be made for them to vote. And if after every single thing has been completely exhausted and the person is then unable to vote, then yes, then something, you know, that is valid. But that will, but probably would never, ever happen. I think that when you go through every single accessibility need, you will find a way to make that, have that person vote, regardless even if you've gone through everything. And then, if you've gone through everything and the person cannot vote, then an argument can be made. And I think to have a doctor decide to have you put back on the electoral roll is just pure ableism. I don't need an able-bodied or typically able-bodied doctor to speak on behalf of me and tell me that my disability, or what my disability allows and doesn't allow me to do. I am proudly, I've proudly voted and I'm proudly going to vote in this election. And when I vote, I feel that I have fought through a lot of things and given the right to vote. And I think it is important that I was given that opportunity. 
and I'm proud that I put my ballot in and that I voted. And I think that it's important that every single person should have the opportunity to vote in an election. If what you just heard's raised any issues for you, here are some people you can call right now to talk to. Lifeline, 13 11 14. The Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800. Or Beyond Blue at 1300 22 46 36.